Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Chapter 7, The Five Precepts, A Householder's Guide to Daily Practice Gautama Buddha gave us guidance to conduct life without harm to other beings or ourselves. This is titled, The Five Precepts. These are not commandments nor rules to follow, rather, how to ensure you are not causing harm to others or yourself. By causing harm to others, we cause harm to ourselves by the natural law of gamma. Through practice of these precepts, you will drastically eliminate unwholesome gamma production and thus experience a more peaceful and content existence. More on gamma in a later chapter. Gautama Buddha's teachings are not to control an individual nor dictate what they should or should not do, but instead provide guidance that when practiced will lead to nibbana, liberation of the mind, a peaceful and content mind, and thus a peaceful and content life. Everything in this practice is attained through personal choice. The five precepts will not be a surprise for you as they are all things you have been taught your entire life. The five precepts are required as a minimum for realizing the benefits of Nibbana. You can gradually train the mind towards practicing these teachings more closely each day rather than feel that you need to make multiple drastic changes at one time. If you have in the past practiced these precepts, or are currently doing any of these now, good. If not, you can change or slowly modify your conduct to still seek Nibbana. The following is a translation of Gautama Buddha's teachings from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. 1. Abandoning the taking of life, refraining from taking life, without stick or sword, scrupulous, compassionate, trembling for the welfare of all living beings. This is often translated in other writings as do not kill or no killing or intentional taking of life. As you see here in this direct translation, we get much more details directly from Gautama Buddha himself. The final conclusion is do not intentionally kill another being, human or animal. We should have compassion for all living beings. There are three components that are needed to create a living being, an egg, sperm, and a consciousness, i.e. a mind. If these things are present, there is a living being. Plants do not have a mind. While we may consider them as being alive, they are not living beings. Bacteria are not a living being. Euthanasia of a human or animal, termination of pregnancy, suicide, assisted suicide, capital punishment, attacking in war, or any government-sponsored killing are all the intentional killing of another being. A person who is seeking Nibbana or has attained Nibbana would not participate in intentions, speech, nor actions of these events. If you have conducted these activities in the past, that does not preclude you from pursuing and attaining Nibbana. Putting the past behind us is important. 
Focus on the present moment to eliminate these actions. Not being able to afford medical care to extend the life of a being that if care is not administered would die is not an intentional killing of that being. This is death that occurs by karma in that medical care could not be provided to extend the otherwise dying being. There was no intentional action to kill the being and if the resources were available, the life of the being would have been saved. The being was not intentionally killed but instead died due to lack of resources. In a perfect world, the resources would have been available and the being would be saved. If insects land on you, blow them off or take them off with a flick or a swipe of the hand. If you unintentionally kill an insect or another being, you do not cause the intentional death of that being. This instead would be an accidental killing and not the result of a deliberate intention and action to kill the being. Suicide Craving is the fuel that causes rebirth. Craving or desire to end one's life is a craving for the extermination of life. Suicide will not resolve a person's discontent mind as they will be reborn into a new existence with discontentedness and suffering continuing in the cycle of rebirth. They will most likely not be reborn back into the human realm and require many rebirths in other realms of existence to hopefully once again obtain the human state for a new chance to attain Nibbana. It is possible to attain Nibbana at the time of natural death if one has eliminated craving which includes extinguishing 100% of their kama. If a person experiences 100% of their kama in this human existence to experience natural death without craving for the extermination of life, they have the ability to attain Nibbana at death and escape the cycle of rebirth. If a person has craving to exterminate their life, they have not extinguished craving 100% and will be reborn. A person who works towards extinguishing all craving and experiences 100% of their kama will not be reborn to experience life in a new existence. Avoiding natural death is a craving for the extermination of life and will continue the suffering of a person for countless more rebirths. Obtaining the human state is extremely rare and should not be wasted. A being who has a desire to end their life should learn and practice these teachings while in this current human form to attain Nibbana which would eliminate the desire to end one's life through wholesome practices that train the mind. Nibbana is the only permanent solution to end all discontentedness of the mind and the suffering it causes. Defense and Protection There may come a time in life where you need to defend the body from an attacker. Should you find the body in this situation, it is understandable if the decision is to defend against bodily harm in that immediate moment to protect the body or the safety of those around you. However, keep in mind that there are many choices and decisions that can be made each day to ensure we do not find ourselves in a situation where the body is attacked. Having a well-developed mind and purity of mind is your first line of defense and protects the body from negative events and experiences, i.e. unwholesome gamma. If the body is being attacked due to your speech or actions, that is gamma, and due to your speech and actions, another person is chosen to attack the body. To avoid this, practice the Eightfold Path as your life practice to extinguish all unwholesome gamma production. If you find yourself in an unprovoked attack and you can run away to avoid the situation, you should. However, removing the body from the situation is not always possible. If you need to defend the body in that immediate moment to be safe, you can. 
if there's a way for you to defend against bodily harm without killing the attacker, that would be best but not always possible. Defend the body with as little harm to another being as possible while ensuring the body is safe and protected. Do not prolong the defense and only apply as much force as is required to provide for the immediate safety and the safety of those around you. Consuming Animal Products Vegan Gautama Buddha was supposedly asked about whether it is important for the ordained practitioners to be vegan during his lifetime. It is rumored that his reply was in the line of, The intentional killing or action of killing of an animal is done by another being, and that person is producing the unwholesome gamma. Gautama Buddha explained how as an aesthetic they must accept whatever is given to them and not show a preference. Gautama Buddha did include in his Eightfold Path the wrong livelihoods of business and meat and business and living beings, so he understood the massive amount of unwholesome gamma produced through these activities, which we are currently seeing the results of today. He encouraged us not to participate in these livelihoods as a way to sustain our life. You can also see in his very first precept, his teachings are that we should practice abandoning the taking of life, refraining from taking life without stick or sword, scrupulous, compassionate, trembling for the welfare of all living beings. Gautama Buddha taught that no one should kill a living being as this produces unwholesome gamma. Any harm caused will be returned to us through the natural law of gamma. There are no contradictions in Gautama Buddha's teachings. Based on his central teachings and guidance, we should practice right livelihood by not having business in meats or business in living beings. One should practice the first precept of not killing living beings, living compassionately and trembling for their welfare. We can understand that the rumor shared in some Buddhist communities that eating meat does not cause any unwholesome gamma and can be considered just that, a rumor. Gautama Buddha understood the effects of killing living beings and the harm it would cause those living beings, and thus, that harm would be returned to us as we are witnessing today. Someone that is practicing these teachings and may be interested to practice them very closely will choose to be a vegetarian or vegan to seek Nibbana. Being vegan will provide the mind more clarity as the body will be free of harmful drugs, hormones, toxins, and emotions of the animal found in the flesh of an animal and the animal byproducts. There is unwholesome gamma associated with eating animal products and that is returned to you through the unwholesome animal products which is loaded with drugs, toxins, and emotions of fear the animal experienced at the time of death. There is enormously more unwholesome gamma associated with eating animal flesh now than during the lifetime of Gautama Buddha due to the toxic substances found in animal flesh that is ingested by you if you choose to eat animal products. Additionally, to produce animal products like eggs, milk, cheese, leather, etc., it creates an environment where massive numbers of animals suffer to provide humans these products. Animals are being trapped in the animal realm. These beings cannot be reborn to take human form for the opportunity to attain Nibbana as long as humans are attached to producing animals and animal products for their use and consumption. Animal products are not required to sustain human life. Proteins and other important nutritional value humans obtain from eating animal products can be ingested through plant-based products. Viewing food as merely a substance that is needed to sustain the body can help to eliminate the attachment to wanting to enjoy food. 
Instead, view food as just a requirement to sustain life, rather than something that you want to enjoy, although there are plenty of foods you can enjoy that are plant-based foods. Eliminating the attachment to the sensual pleasure of the tongue can help you gradually eliminate the attachment to animal products. By not eating animal products, you can find joy in knowing that your eating habits are not causing harm to another being and you will benefit from the healthy effects of a plant-based food supply. The important teaching here is do not intentionally kill another being while having compassion for all living beings. If we are eating animal flesh and or using animal products, how could we have compassion for all living beings? Gautama Buddha as an aesthetic could not choose his food. As householders, we can choose our food and choose what we offer to aesthetics. Choosing a vegan lifestyle is a choice to do no harm to other beings. If you have compassion for all living beings, as explained in this precept, you would not have a desire to consume or use animal products as your personal choice. As with all these teachings, you can gradually train the mind to move in this direction. All beings that exist today have experienced countless rebirths in multiple forms, including countless animal rebirths. Gautama Buddha explained that it would be difficult to find a being in existence that has not previously been our mother, father, sister, brother, or some other relative in a past existence. Eating animal products that promotes the killing of animals can be considered as killing your relatives and ingesting their flesh. We should have loving-kindness and compassion for all beings. Today, many people who practice these teachings closely are vegetarian or vegan. You can understand through Gama that the massive production of animal products around the world has created massive amounts of unwholesome Gama for the world through an unwholesome environment. Just like accepting a possession that was stolen by another person could cause you harm, Accepting animal flesh that has been killed by another person will still cause you harm. The fact that another person has killed the living being does not protect you or the environment from the harmful effects of producing and ingesting the animal products. Producing animal products has left the environment around us in drastically poor health. Consuming animal products on an individual level is causing cancers and other bodily sicknesses to humans. Through the growing, preparing, packaging, transportation, and selling of animal products, there is a massive amount of harm being done to the planet's environment. It is well understood that in order to bring our world's environment into a more healthy existence, humans will need to transition to plant-based foods. As a result of not killing or causing the suffering to a tremendous amount of animals, we generate wholesome gamma. Our planet is more healthy and our individual body and mind is more healthy. By consuming animal products, it does cause harm to animals, to our environment, and to ourselves individually. That harm will be returned to us through an unhealthy planet and effects on our individual health. It is best to not consume animal products as this will ensure a healthy body, a healthy mind, and a healthy planet. You will notice the body and the mind function better when you only consume plant-based foods. In addition to eliminating the action of killing another being, this precept also relates to the cultivation of deep compassion for all beings. Your practice of not consuming animal products will bring you into more harmony with all beings in a healthy planet while eliminating the unwholesome gamma that affects the planet and you individually.
Do not resuscitate. DNR. With modern advances in medical treatments with the ability to prolong or extend one's life, it is common for people to make a conscious decision to place a do not resuscitate DNR in place prior to natural death. A DNR ensures that if one dies, they are not brought back to life through modern medical advances. A DNR is not an active, intentional killing. A DNR means the human being is already dead and they are not interested in going to extreme measures to bring them back to life. They are perfectly content with dying and have chosen to do so naturally without artificial ways of bringing them back to life. A DNR is not euthanasia. These are two different things. A DNR is choosing not to be brought back to life after one has already died. Euthanasia is an active decision to take a life that is killing. The following is a translation of Gautama Buddha's teachings from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. 2. Abandoning the taking of what is not given, living purely, accepting what is given, awaiting what is given without stealing. This precept is exactly what you think it is and have hopefully been taught your entire life. Do not steal or take what does not belong to you. This would cause harm to others and is morally not the proper way to conduct a wholesome life. Stealing will cause harm to others which will cause harm to us and means there is still craving and desire. Accepting what is given. In a society of people who practice generosity, oftentimes people will make generous offerings of food, supplies, money, or gifts. Accepting what is given is to accept all offerings without exception or judgment. By accepting an offering made by others, we are not blocking the wholesome intentions of another being while being open to allow all people to practice generosity. If an offering is made, one should accept the offering graciously without exception or judgment of the offering or the person making the offering. Awaiting what is given. We should also not ask for possessions, gifts, or wealth, etc. Gautama Buddha shares with us in this precept, awaiting what is given. In this way, he is providing guidance that helps us to eliminate craving and desire, which is the cause of all discontentedness. Having craving and desire to obtain more and more possessions, gifts, or wealth, etc., will have a direct effect on others by placing obligations and expectations of delivery of the requested items. If those items cannot be provided, it can cause stress in the relationship and a discontent mind for anyone involved. The request for possessions, gifts, or wealth can create expectations. Expectations are a form of attachment which will lead to a discontent mind. If we ask another being for help, it should not be because we want something, but because we need help. We should not place undue obligations and burdens on another person. The following is a translation of Gautama Buddha's teachings from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. 3. Abandoning unchastity, abandoning sexual relations with a woman or man who are protected by their mother, father, mother and father, brother, sister or relatives, who are protected by their dhamma, who have a husband, wife or partner whose violation entails a penalty, or 
even with one who has been garlanded by a man, woman, or partner as a sign of engagement. This is often translated in other writings as no sexual misconduct. As you see here, the sexual conduct that is suggested to abstain from involves sexual actions that would cause harm to other beings. Sex with minors, sex with multiple partners, i.e. unchastity, sex while living in the home of relatives and while still being guided in life by relatives. If relatives have accepted a committed relationship and allow you to cohabitate in their home, they have accepted the committed relationship and understand sexual contact is part of your relationship. Sex with someone who has previously decided to remain celibate. Sex with people who are already committed in other relationships. Sex outside any relationships you are committed to and pledged to be faithful. Based on other teachings of Gautama Buddha, these would also be included as harmful sexual conduct. Sex without consent. Sex with people that are human trafficked. Sexual intercourse is not wrong or immoral. It should be conducted in a way that does not cause harm to yourself nor others. You can enjoy sexual contact and attain the first two stages of Nibbana. This would require you to participate in sexual contact without craving, desire, attachment, having sexual contact in a committed relationship. To attain the highest two stages of Nibbana, you will need to eliminate sexual contact, which is a central desire. To achieve this objective, you would need training of the mind to reduce and then eliminate the craving for sexual contact or this central desire. If you have or do not have sexual activity, can the mind still maintain contentedness? You should not be attached to sexual activity but rather enjoy it as needed until you have made a decision to gradually reduce or eliminate your craving for sexual contact to attain the two highest stages of Nibbana. If you are attached to sexual contact, there will be extensive craving and desire that leads to potential harmful actions and results, including discontentedness. If attachment to sexual contact exists, the mind will be discontent if you do not have sexual contact. A mind that is pursuing Nibbana can enjoy sexual contact or not, and still be content, and at some point make the effort to reduce or eliminate sexual contact if you choose to attain the two highest stages of Nibbana. It is important that you have responsible sexual contact. If there is a life conceived as part of your sexual contact, you need to accept responsibility for your role as a parent from conception to birth through complete natural life. Termination of a pregnancy is killing another being, and thus, unwholesome gamma would be produced that affects you as a result of this action. This is mentioned in the first precept. Sexual conduct is particularly emotional and sensitive, with the potential to cause grave harm if not conducted with the purest of intentions. If this is a precept you have not practiced closely in the past or present, it does not mean you cannot attain Nibbana. It means that you need to bring your actions closer to practicing this precept so that you can continue your walk toward Nibbana. Multiple Partners Having multiple sexual partners at the same time is unchastity, whether known and approved by all parties or not. This would create unwholesome gamma resulting in the potential of sexually transmitted diseases and harm to others. 
To reduce unwholesome gamma, humans will need to have a long-term committed relationship with only one partner. Paid sexual services. There is significant dilemma in having a temporary sexual relationship that requires payment. There is unwholesome gamma associated with paid sexual services due to several aspects in nature of the temporary relationship. As Gautama Buddha explains, humans need to abandon unchastity. Having several partners outside of an established, long-term committed relationship for a sexual worker and or a customer would result in significant unwholesome gamma. You should not pay for sexual services nor offer sexual services for payment as there is unwholesome gamma associated with this temporary sexual relationship for the customer and sexual worker. In a temporary pay-for-service sexual encounter, there is sexual contact outside of an established, long-term committed relationship. Due to the temporary nature of the encounter, the sexual worker and customer are not in an established, long-term committed relationship. The sexual worker could be a minor, human trafficked, and either party, the sexual worker or customer, could have sexually transmitted diseases. The sexually transmitted diseases, guilt, and shame are the unwholesome gamma production for both the customer and sexual worker. This is the effect. The cause of the sexually transmitted diseases, guilt, or shame is the unchastity, having sexual contact outside of a committed relationship. Prostitution promotes unchastity and generates unwholesome gamma for the sexual worker and the customer, which is observable in the effects through the natural law of gamma and the potential for sexually transmitted diseases, shame, and guilt. Providing money to a partner in an established, long-term committed relationship to sustain their life is not a temporary sexual relationship and is not considered paid sexual services. An established long-term committed relationship is an effort to develop a lasting loving relationship and the money offered to this partner is an active generosity. Humans should have sexual contact only in an established long-term committed relationship to ensure no harm and thus no unwholesome gamma production through sexual contact. Same-sex partners. I think it is important to note that there is no teaching that sex with the same gender same-sex relationships would preclude one from pursuing nibbana. There are people that prefer same-sex relationships who have earned nibbana. It is shared in the Pali Canon that Gautama Buddha was well aware of people born into a male body whose mind does not identify with masculine qualities. He also discussed people born into a female body whose mind do not identify with feminine qualities. Yet, he never taught sexual contact between people of the same gender would preclude one from pursuing and attaining nibbana. Our sexual identity is our own sexual identity and our own decision. What is important is to ensure there is no harm in the conduct of our sexual activity. Two loving, consenting adults who are loyal and faithful to each other that happen to be the same gender are causing no harm to others through their relationship and personal choice for sexual contact. If you are not causing harm with your sexual contact, there is no unwholesome gamma production. Therefore, as you learn and practice this precept to understand Nibbana, you will come to know that relationships of the same gender cause no harm to others. 
people who would like to seek Nibbana and maintain a loving relationship with the same gender can do so while pursuing Nibbana. Sexual activity is a pleasurable and natural part of life. It is not wrong and does not need to be avoided. What needs to be avoided is unwholesome sexual practices as described in this important precept that would cause harm to other beings. To attain Nibbana as a non-returner or arahant, one would need to eliminate sensual desire, which includes sexual contact. Transgender During Gautama Buddha's lifetime, he shared with students that he observed people who are born into male bodies when the mind does not identify with masculine qualities. He mentioned that there are people who are born into female bodies who do not identify with feminine qualities, but that is all he says. He just makes the observation and shares what he observed with his students. He never says anything else about the topic. If one understands the cycle of rebirth, in that we have all been countless beings in the past of various species and various genders, it is completely understandable that a body and mind coming together right now in this human form does not necessarily match in gender, meaning the body can be of one gender and the mind may identify with a different gender. This is completely normal. It is a normal part of life. Additionally, for one who understands the universal truth of impermanence, it is completely normal and understandable that not every single human born with male sexual organs is going to identify with masculine qualities, and not every single human that is born with female sexual organs is going to identify with feminine qualities. This is completely normal and matches exactly with what Gautama Buddha taught on the topic of impermanence. Gautama Buddha had nothing to teach on this subject other than make the observation and share that observation because it is completely normal. There is no teaching that anything is wrong or that one should have negative feelings towards a human being whose mind does not identify with the sexual organs of the physical body. Gautama Buddha taught to love all beings, have compassion for all beings, to be kind to all beings, to be polite to all beings, to be respectful to all beings, etc. There is no one or nothing that we should hate or have anger towards. Those whose mind and body do not identify with the same gender, those who prefer same-gender relationships, and those who prefer opposite-gender relationships, and those who prefer no life partner at all, are all the same, completely normal. We are all human beings, and the more we love and care for one another, the world only gets better and better. Masturbation Masturbation is sometimes thought of as immoral. That is not true, as one who masturbates is not causing harm to other beings through the self-pleasing sensual pleasure. Gautama Buddha's teachings are about not harming other beings, thus, Masturbation has nothing to do with another being, and you are not causing harm with this conduct. Masturbation is a practice that can be used to thin your sexual craving so that you can ultimately eliminate the craving for sexual contact if you choose. The highest stages of enlightenment require thinning or eliminating sensual desire, which includes sexual contact with a partner. Masturbation can be used to gradually train the mind to reduce or eliminate this sensual desire of sexual contact with a partner. 
excessive masturbation can be destructive to your own mind, as the craving for sensual desire will cause a discontent mind, and one should work to eliminate this craving as they progress closer to enlightenment. To attain the highest two stages of Nibbana, masturbation would need to be extinguished to eliminate the fetter of sensual desire. The following is a translation from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. 4. Abandoning false speech, refraining from false speech, a true speaker, one to be relied on, trustworthy, dependable, not a deceiver of the world. This is often translated as, do not lie. That is correct and most of us have been taught this our entire life. There is further and deeper meaning here in this precept. We should not gossip, slander, lie, or talk with deceit. While most countries have freedom of speech laws, having false speech and the freedom to do it under the law does not mean it is correct, proper, or wholesome. It can cause harm to others if speech is untruthful and therefore will cause harm to you. Just because you are following the law regarding speech does not mean you have a pure mind and will earn nibbana. It is important to engage in wholesome and purposeful speech that does not harm others. See write speech as part of the Eightfold Path for more details on speech. Gautama Buddha understood Kama so well and the need to speak the truth, he did not even lie as part of a joke. I will not utter a falsehood even as a joke. The following is a translation from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. Even so hollow and empty, Rahula, is the recluseship of those who are not ashamed to tell a deliberate lie. So too, Rahula, when one is not ashamed to tell a deliberate lie, there is no evil, I say, that one would not do. Therefore, Rahula, you should train thus. I will not utter a falsehood, even as a joke. Translation by Bhikkhu Bodhi, in the year 2009. The following is a translation from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. 5. Refraining from strong drink and sloth-producing drugs, the basis for heedlessness. This precept is often translated as, do not take intoxicants. The purpose of pursuing Nibbana is to clarify and purify the mind. If we take substances with the intention to become heedless, this only complicates the process towards Nibbana as you will find it difficult to observe the true mind and you will lack right mindfulness. Being heedless with alcohol, drugs, or other substances, either legal or illegal, does not promote a mind that is on a path to becoming clean, clear, and pure. The meaning of heedlessness is careless, thoughtless, inattentive, uncalm, unaware, or unmindful. If one chooses to become heedless, they are more likely to not practice the other four precepts. This means that when one is heedless, they are more likely to kill, steal, commit sexual misconduct, or have false speech causing untold amounts of unwholesome gamma. Therefore, this precept is very important and anyone interested to attain Nibbana should deeply consider whether substances that cause heedlessness is helping or hurting them on the journey to a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. 
Based on the negative effects these substances have on the body and the mind, if you view them as poison, this can assist you in your training to eliminate these substances. There is no wholesome purpose to ingest substances that cause heedlessness, so why do it? Marijuana Marijuana is a substance that has recently been known to provide significant medical benefits for patients. An individual consuming marijuana for medical purpose and not for the sake of heedlessness would be practicing this precept properly. Only you know your true and real intention in using marijuana. If you are ingesting it for heedlessness, you will not be able to attain nibbana because you will lack the ability to have right mindfulness and right concentration. A person who is ingesting marijuana for medical purposes would most likely be interested in looking for versions of this plant that have a low level of THC and a high concentration of CBD. Research shows that THC affects the mind and causes heedlessness, while CBD contains the properties of this plant that are beneficial for medical purposes. You should consult experts in this field for guidance on how to best benefit from the medical qualities of this plant and avoid any potential effects that would cause heedlessness. Keep in mind that smoking marijuana versus another form of ingesting this substance can cause harm to the lungs, much like cigarettes. This is gamma in that the action is smoking the substance, while the result being damage to the lungs. There are ways to ingest medical marijuana that could provide medical benefits without the harmful effects of smoking marijuana or other forms of ingesting that is harmful to the body. Cigarettes Cigarettes are a craving and attachment that will cause the body to become harmed and can cause harm to others through secondhand smoke. Smoking causes unwholesome gamma for you and you can observe this through harm to the body. When you smoke, it does harm to the body, shortens your life expectancy, and thus limits the amount of time you have in this existence to attain nibbana and escape the cycle of rebirth. If you are smoking near others, you are causing harm to them through the inhalation of secondhand smoke. To attain nibbana, all craving must be extinguished, including the craving and attachment to cigarettes. You will need to find a way to train the mind to eliminate this unwholesome craving so that you can attain a clear and content mind while eliminating this craving. Caffeine Caffeine, while legal, is a drug and stimulant that is abused worldwide. Caffeine is a substance that causes heedlessness and should be avoided. This drug contributes to anxiety, depression, loneliness, boredom, and other unwelcomed emotions that affects the ability to practice right mindfulness and attain nibbana. Let me explain. When one ingests caffeine, it provides a stimulant that produces excitement, energy, and pleasure, pleasant feelings. It also helps to speed up the mind and oftentimes contributes to racing thoughts and emotions. Anxiety and rapid thoughts will usually follow the ingesting of caffeine. The more caffeine ingested, the more noticeable the effects. While one might say that is the desired effect, the condition of the mind can become so intense it is hard to focus and have right mindfulness or right concentration. As the effects of caffeine start to diminish, just like with all drugs, there can be withdrawal symptoms that include headaches, limb shaking, emptiness of mind, dry mouth, aggressiveness, and other conditions. 
The mind adapts to the pleasurable feelings of caffeine and will often crave this substance regularly giving us the feeling that we can't conduct our daily activities without it. We become hooked or addicted, just like the potential with all other drugs and stimulants. With repeated use, the mind becomes trained and reliant on this substance to get excited, awake, and have pleasurable feelings. Then, when we do not have caffeine in the body, we feel down or depressed, leaving us feeling more empty or lonely inside, feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. This up and down of emotions through use of caffeine can be mistaken as symptoms of bipolar disorder or other conditions, pleasurable feelings and painful feelings, excitement and then lethargy. By purging this substance from the body, you can see that your real true emotions can be quite stable and calm. You do not need to rely on this substance or be attached to this substance as you can feel more stable experiencing the calmness and peacefulness that already exist inside the mind. You can eliminate caffeine if you currently drink sodas by moving to a soda or fruit drink that does not contain caffeine. If you are a coffee drinker, you can move to a tea with less caffeine or perhaps an herbal tea without any caffeine. Many decaffeinated coffees actually still have some caffeine, so those aren't always a wise choice. As you move away from coffee, the aroma of coffee can sometimes pull you back in. You will need to mentally manage this craving and desire for coffee and the effects of caffeine. You will need to train the mind to eliminate the craving to ingest caffeine to further liberate the mind from this attachment. The vast majority of coffee drinkers do not actually enjoy or like the taste of coffee. That's why we include milk, sugar, and other additives to our coffee to get rid of the bitter taste of completely black coffee. What we like is the sweet milky flavor of sugar and milk with the effects of caffeine. If coffee drinkers actually like the taste of coffee, they would drink completely black coffee. Few people enjoy coffee this way, and when they do, they are still affected by the caffeine which can cause the mind to race with pleasurable feelings and then drop into painful feelings described as depression. You will do yourself a big service to eliminate caffeine from the body. As you do, allow the withdrawal symptoms of headaches, foggy mind, body shaking, and others to remind you that you are indeed detoxing from a drug. You will be better off without it. You can replace caffeinated drinks with water, fruit drinks, herbal drinks, vegetable juices, and other more wholesome substances that the body can use to create a healthy environment for the mind to exist. Eliminating caffeine from the body will ensure you do not have any foreign substances creating unwelcomed and unwholesome thoughts, emotions, or mental states. This will allow you to see the true mind with right mindfulness and right concentration ultimately realizing that the natural state of the mind is actually quite calm, stable, and steady. Purging this substance from the body will allow you to see the true mind so that you can work on eliminating other unwholesome mental states. Psychedelic Substances Throughout history and in current times, people have relied on psychedelic substances to induce temporary periods of deep thinking and deep thought. These substances can provide pleasurable feelings that become enveloped into the mind. Psychedelic substances that produce these mental states are impermanent pleasant feelings. 
one can become attached or crave the journey experienced through psychedelic mushrooms, LSD, and other substances that produce reflection and thought beyond what one has ever experienced in the unenlightened state. Some feel that through ingesting these substances, it will make their path to the enlightened state more streamlined or rapid. The mind will produce many reasons and rationale for the various habits and activities one decides to pursue as reasons to continue attachment to avoid elimination of various cravings. Justification that substances help to produce an enlightened mind sounds quite interesting and provides the mind a reason to hold on to this craving for the impermanent pleasant feelings. Through understanding and practice of these teachings, you can see how any craving leads to a discontent mind because the mind cannot maintain the mental state permanently. Psychedelic substances are another attachment or craving that will lead to a discontent mind due to the impermanent nature and the effects of these substances. To attain Nibbana, one would need to eliminate the ingesting of psychedelic substances and attain Nibbana through learning, reflecting, practicing, and observing the results of a dedicated practice of these teachings. By developing a life practice that leads to Nibbana, you will be able to attain the enlightened mental state permanently. Psychedelic substances will never lead to a permanent mental state of Nibbana. Experiencing Nibbana will far outweigh what one experiences with psychedelics, and Nibbana is a permanent mental state, while psychedelics are not. Psychedelics can be dangerous, and thus, you can experience long-term effects from ingesting these substances, both physically and to your quality of life. There are no shortcuts or rapid paths to Nibbana. One needs dedication and commitment to learning and practicing the teachings of Gautama Buddha with teachers who have already attained Nibbana as guides. It makes sense that in our modern society, there are some who would convince themselves that there is a quick fix of the mind that involves ingesting a psychedelic substance to produce enlightenment. If the path to Nibbana was as simple as ingesting a certain substance, Gautama Buddha would not have needed to teach for 45 years. If attaining the enlightened mind was as easy as ingesting a psychedelic substance, then the entire world would already be enlightened as this information would surely spread throughout the world for everyone to rapidly attain the permanent mental state of Nibbana. Nibbana does not require any external substance or any external possession. To attain Nibbana, you will need to develop the mind into a pure mind through learning and progressing along the path, making wise personal choices to a dedicated practice of these teachings. There are no shortcuts. Additional Notes The legality of certain speech or actions versus that which produces Nibbana are sometimes two separate things, unless a government has organized in such a way to follow these teachings. I am not currently aware of any government that is set up entirely in line with these teachings. This is why it's important that you study, learn, and implement these teachings into your own life. By merely following the law, this will not produce a pure mind or nibbana. Depending on your lifestyle, there are increased numbers of precepts. The precepts one chooses to practice is up to the individual and their lifestyle. However, the five precepts is a baseline minimum that is required for all individuals to attain Nibbana. The end of each chapter will have learning resources for further exploration. 
you will be able to explore videos, podcasts, quizzes, etc. to deepen your learning of the content you read in each chapter. Please see the ebook for more details on these resources. As you have questions or need clarification on these teachings, you are welcome to post those into the Facebook group, Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, or contact the author privately for in-depth learning. Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash daily wisdom 999. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.